Hey, welcome to the Southgate Studio Podcast, a podcast designed to resource you and equip you to become a faithful and passionate follower of Jesus. I'm your host, Alex, and with me is the Rev Hopkins. Snowflake, 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 snowflake. Is that for winter? Yeah, it's like my, how do, what sound does snow make? Like if you were to make. It's pretty quiet. Yeah. My, like wait, 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 let's try this. That sounds like snow. It? Did you hear it? No. <laughs> that's what snow sounds like. That's what snow sounds like. Yeah, with us today is Dr. Rigby. And uh we're excited to have you as a as a guest here. So welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, we uh we're actually in Brockville today. Yeah. Which is exciting. We're moving and the studio. You came everywhere. all the way from Kingston. Yes, and you came all the way to come home again. Yeah, it is interesting. As I was driving this way, I was like, Alex, and I just started pointing out memories along the way and uh, it's just memory lane. So I love it. I love Brockville. It's a great, great town. Um, The St. Lawrence River is just one of those places, just one of those places. So now Dr. Rigby and I, when did we meet? I, I, sometimes I don't go by our questions that we hand out to our, to our guests, but when I think we met, like, would you have known me as a child? I first uh, came to know you uh, more personally when I was the executive pastor here during that transition uh, between Lawrence and and Pastor Eric. Yep. And uh, I think you were kind of coming home from your band uh, and and was beginning to maybe participate in, in worship yep. here at that point in time. Yeah. And, uh, and get involved with some of the youth. Yep. I think that's when I got to know you. Yeah, that would have been the starting. And then Kingswood would have been when we started sitting down and having milkshakes together at, uh, J- it's JJ's. Yes. JJ's milkshakes. Good milkshakes. <laughs> Wait, that was here in Brockville? That was at or, Kingswood. Oh, okay. In Sussex. That's right. So you're at Kingswood then? No, I would travel there for board meetings and okay. uh, so on. And, and Aaron set up a time. He said, I want to meet with you. And then he took me to J&J's. I wasn't uh, familiar with it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I have been there a couple of times since. Yes. And tried their milkshakes. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> it works. It's a good little spot. It's like a diner. It just feels, I don't know, what era would that be from? It seems to me it's the 50s. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just way 50s. Way, way oh, back. So they have like, they have like, it's like the futuristic. Yeah. Like, like they have the... The machine to sing song, the ju- ju- jukebox, is that uh, jukebox, and, and the uh, upholstery, just the style. Yeah, uh, it's it's incredible. Wow, just feels like you should have a milkshake. Really? Ah, uh, like Archie, Archie. Who am I thinking of? Oh, Pops. Yeah, like that. That's, yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, it's just all like, like the crazy colors. That's right. You got that's it. Sweet. That's JJ's. Hopefully our, hopefully our audience uh, understands, but um, yeah, so that's where Dr. Rigby and I met. And then we've been sitting in different interviews um, together because of, through my ordination process, I feel like you're often in the room with me because sometimes you guys split up as a board, right? And then, but I feel like often we work together and um, yeah, Dr. Rigby's just helped me along my way with the ordination and we've gotten to know each other, even from the ministers and mates retreat. Um, you're there and you lead that. And, uh, he's just been a great, great, uh, help for me and doing the multi-site. We've been talking lots about, um, doing that together too. And so he's been a very helpful, helpful man to me, <laughs> um, during my years, uh, to become a reverend. So uh, I guess that's me saying, thanks. 
and it's been my delight to watch you uh, develop and grow. You are probably a different person than when I met you when you're coming off the road in the band. (laughs) (laughs) Big change from then, Um, but I'm still crazy. What's the biggest difference? Is it the hair? I don't know. I feel like my hair wouldn't have been that long then. My hair really went long during pastor. No, I would just say like, well, maybe you, you go. I I would say that you have uh, grown to be a passionate follower of Christ and uh, the gifts that God has given you uh, have, are, are blossoming and, and, uh, seeing the fruit of that in your life. Yeah. Like just a lot of people pouring into me, like Kingswood intensified that going through this ordination process intensified that. And just people really wanted to see me succeed and, you know, telling me no in some areas and telling me yes in other areas and just shaping and molding me and always encouraging me and trying to push me closer to Jesus. So, but so you're always on the uh, asking the question side. So, so today's a little bit <laughs> reversed. I was like, I really want to get to know Dr. Rigby because he always asks me the questions. So I would like to know a little bit about you as well. And so um, one of the one of the things is, is we just want to know about your family. And so just a little about your, about your family. And then I want to know the juicy details of how you met Cindy. I don't know if there's any juicy details. <laughs> uh, in terms of, of my family, uh, we have, uh, Cindy and I had two boys and uh, they are married. Uh, I grew up in a family of four boys. Okay. And once someone said to my father, uh, where are the girls? And he said, they will come. <laughs> <laughs> and that has been true in our family. The girls have come. <laughs> And then my oldest son, uh, just to make this saying very true, he had four girls. So uh, our oldest son has four girls. They live in Halifax. And uh, our youngest son, he lives in Pittsburgh. And they have a beautiful golden retriever. Uh, Pittsburgh? Yes. Did you met a stateside girl? Is that... It's very, uh, both, uh, Matt and Heather, uh, Matt and, and Nate went to Houghton college Okay, and they both met girls there. And what's interesting is that, uh, Heather, who met, Matt met, uh, was actually a Canadian okay. who was living down in Virginia, had been recruited to play soccer, uh, for the Houghton team. And, uh, turns out. She's a Canadian girl. They're heading back to the Halifax area and they both wanted to go to med school and they ended up both going there uh, after they got married right after Houghton College. Med school. You have to be smart to go to med yeah. school. <laughs> <laughs> so they uh, they ended up settling in Halifax uh, and have positions there. Very cool. Very cool. And so are you a, um, are you a Houghton graduate as well? I am a Houghton graduate. There we go. And, and what's interesting is, uh, I met Cindy there. Okay. And her parents were first time Houghton students. Her, her father got, uh, saved because someone saw him playing in the street and invited him to a Wesley and invited him to come to Sunday school. (laughs) And, uh, he did not come from a Christian background. And it brought a transformation in his life. Yeah. And his parents uh, moved away and he supported himself through Houghton College and then actually became a professor there. Oh, wow. Uh, 
after after going to uh, seminary and getting his uh, uh, THD uh, okay. degree at North Park in in Chicago area. Okay, taught there for twenty five years. I tell people that the only way I was able to graduate from Houghton was to to meet a professor's daughter, and, uh, <laughs> and that helped me. <laughs> nice. That's good. So what is your first memory of, of Cindy? Was it in a class? Was it on sports? Where were you guys, what were you guys doing? Do you remember that? Um, I think I've seen her walking around, but it wasn't, um, she was actually the roommate of, uh, of Ruth Smith. Okay. from the Ottawa uh, Sunnyside Church. Yep. And um, at any rate, we would travel with Ruth back and forth to Houghton. We'd meet at the bridge. And I may have heard of Cindy at that point in time. So we met in the in the water safety class, which was before the big complex was put up. And so we used to call it kind of a swimming pool. It was about... Uh, when I say swimming pool, I mean a bathtub. It was not very big at all. It was small. But uh, I think Cindy told me afterwards that she thought I was kind of a wimp. Uh, and uh, interesting. Sw- swimming is not my forte, uh, although I, I did all the requirements that you need for water safety instructor and all that kind of stuff. But I also ran cross country. And what I found is I often would get cramps in my legs when I was trying to do the swimming stuff. And so I was always excusing myself and sitting on the side uh, <laughs> because of these uh, leg cramps I was getting. So at any rate, that was probably the first first uh, lasting impression in terms of that swimming yeah. class. Yeah. So was that a good impression then? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess I didn't overly impress her. <laughs> it still worked out. It, it, yeah. still, it still worked out. There's a happy ending to the story. And then uh, I think our first uh, kind of unofficial date was um, tennis. We played uh, tennis. I think I was taking an end session course. And if I remember correctly, she wasn't wearing running shoes. She was in her bare feet. Uh, which was good because that helped me to win, just barely. Uh, and uh, then she went away uh, to California, and then we picked up uh, afterwards. Uh, and I graduated uh, one year early, went off to seminary. And then after our first year of seminary, uh, she graduated and, and we got married. Crazy. Oh, wow. So yeah, uh, so your love story with Cindy. Now I take it before you went to Houghton, um, you decide to follow Jesus, but maybe maybe I'm wrong. When when would have that taken place for you? Where you I don't know. Was it was there a defining moment for you where you said this is a moment I'm deciding to follow Jesus? What would that what would that look like for you? That's a great question. Uh, the reason is because growing up in our tradition we decided to follow Jesus many times and often at camps, we would make those kinds of decisions. And during high school, uh, I would not call myself a faithful follower, but, uh, after, uh, after, um, grade 12, no, must've been during grade 12. Uh, I, 
at some point recommitted my life, probably was at camp in grade 11. And my father kind of knew that I was not a strong Christian. And he and uh, JSA Spearman went to Houghton College to a uh, pastor's conference. JSA Spearman was a former DS in, in the Wesleyan Church. Okay. And he also was a person who helped to lead my father to the Lord. Uh, and he took dad to this pastor's conference. And they came back and they said, uh, how would you like to go to Houghton? Well, I didn't even know about Houghton. Like it was not... It was not on her radar or anything. It just had to do with JSA Spearman taking my father there. Yeah. And the registrar at the time was Wesley Nussie, who was uh, a guy who was raised in the Standard Church. And so my father had connections with him and uh, made it possible for me to, to come to Houghton, yep. attend Houghton. I said yes. And Houghton, I would say, was very instrumental in helping me to solidify my faith uh, in our tradition. And you kind of, it was, if you pray hard enough, and if you pray, you will get through, uh, you'll pray through to a kind of experience that will hold you. Mm. Uh, that never happened for me in that way. Uh, I was always looking for reasons. And reasons weren't quickly coming in terms of my tradition. So when I went to Houghton, they had me read uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, Mere Christianity. And I was reading it and I said, man, that there are, we have good reasons to believe in the Christian faith. Mm -hmm. And that was a transforming experience for me. Yeah. Because it brought my mind up to date with uh, what uh, some of my, Commitments to Christ. Um, where where was I going with all of this? That's right. I just asked how you were coming to know Jesus. And I think like that C.S. Lewis book is just one of those foundation like books of our like Christian faith. Like it's just the mere Christianity is just known for that. Just there is reasonable reasons to believe in Jesus. And I think how C.S. Lewis goes about describing and telling stories and like reasoning with faith is very like I'm interested to see who the next C.S. Lewis will be of like the next generation coming up through. Right. Cause you know, he was once a child and, and it's one of those crazy, crazy stories of just um, him being able to explain those. Have you read any C.S. Lewis material? I read all the Narnia books. Okay. But that's about it. I haven't read mere Christianity or anything. Yeah. Well, those Narnia books do have crazy, yeah. like, uh, like stories that really do uh, give great examples of who Jesus is. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, what he's done. So, yeah. So I, you mentioned a few people on the way that like helped you with your faith, but um, like, I don't know, during those years of like high school and like Houghton, who are, or I guess you've been graduated for a few years now from Houghton. <laughs> um, so I don't know who have been the people that have like really poured into your faith, but it's kind of fun to reflect on. But I don't know if you want to mention any of those people that, you know, really were some, you know, helped you through some milestones growing up. I'd say my, my, uh, my parents certainly were instrumental. Uh, for them, it was their patience. Uh, I remember that I had uh, decided that I was going to smoke when I was about 16. And uh, my friends were all smoking. And 
uh, my parents never relented. They never said like my friend's parents, oh, you're going to smoke, you might better smoke at home. That was never the case. Mm. Anytime I came home, uh, there was a questioning. And uh, I'm thankful for that because yeah. I did quit. And I think that if I hadn't, uh, my health would not be the same as it is today. That's true. Uh, but so they're very patient with me. Uh, we gave them a hard time and they showed patience and love. Um, my father-in-law, uh, he was another uh, person who helped me to reason and think through my Christian faith. So he had developed an ethics course at Houghton College, and uh, I was taking it from him. And what he was saying is Christianity offers the most uh, systematic and consistent view of, of ethics. Hmm. No other system really works as well. And uh, I was questioning him afterwards, and he said, yes, I'm a Christian because it's consistent and it makes sense. And for me, that was a, a real uh, eye-opener uh, as well. Yep. And uh, I would say Lawrence and Faye uh, have been uh, uh, influential people in, in my life. Yep. Uh, I remember, actually, it was uh, after my first year at Houghton, Coming into a different culture uh, really threw me. I come up in a more legalistic culture. Houghton was not nearly as legalistic. I was having trouble making sense of lifestyle issues. Mm -hmm. And I had decided, you know what? Uh, I'm just going to drop the Christian faith, even though I had more rational reasons to believe. And it was at uh, Athens camp. I, I went to the... Uh, to the altar, I recommitted my life. I actually made changes in plans that were really good changes in plans that I was going to do that summer. And uh, and I remember Faye's encouragement uh, at that point in time. And so uh, they have been uh, important people in my life as well. Yeah. Yeah, and we're sitting like in the church that they helped build, right? And That's right. Faye and Lawrence are a great, great couple. What is What is the age difference between you guys? You I know? think it's four or five years. Yeah, I thought I and um, like and I think he's Lawrence. Pastor Lawrence is still helping at West, right, and doing the church planting still. He's uh, assistant district superintendent. Yeah, I don't think you ever retire, do you? As like a pastor, I think that's what I've learned. Is that true? <laughs> that's right. So <laughs> just retread. <laughs> retread. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what is your like actual job role? Well, this is interesting. Yeah, this is yeah, I like it, Alex. Good. Uh, they call me a district superintendent okay. and uh, the responsibilities are, you know, one they like to say is to be a pastor to the pastors. Wow. So, <laughs> so that happens to a certain degree. Anytime a pastor is in trouble, if they wish to look to me, I'm available. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're also, uh, as a district to provide leadership, we're wanting to to see church multiplication, uh, which is why I've, in conversations at times with 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 Aaron, uh, we also want to do uh, spiritual. Uh, we want to do uh, leadership development, and uh, that's why we sometimes have seminars. Uh, 
And part of it is to just keep track of pastors. So we have them do a pastor snapshot where we ask questions about what's going on in their church, what about their relationships, what about their health, uh, and uh, what how are they doing? What are some of their spiritual disciplines? Mm-hmm. I send these out only to the lead pastors, uh, assuming that the lead pastors are also uh, working with uh, the pastors that they're that's part of their organization. So those are some of the things uh, mm-hmm. that. Plus, you plan district conference once a year, right? And, uh, and that's not a small task. And that's not a small task, but we have a lot of fantastic people who work with me to make it uh, very doable, mm-hmm. such as Donna, Donna Ray Wheeler. <laughs> uh, she's a very important person. And uh, my wife, who's my administrator, she does a great job as well. Donna Ray's the doctor. Whenever Jason and I are talking, yeah. they're like the doctor. The doctor. Yeah, DR. That's what they call her, right? So we just call her doctor. Um, now, and your geography is massive. Like you have the biggest spread I think of all the DSs for geography because you're from. That's right. Well, right now we're kind of sharing the Quebec province with uh, the Atlantic District because they have uh, at least one uh, kind of uh, campus where they're they're broadcasting into it, but it's at home in a home, and so they've made some inroads. But for the most part, I'm responsible for Quebec. We have a Spanish church, we have a Filipino church. Uh, and then we have the Shawville Church yep. uh, in in Quebec, and um, then we have uh, churches a church in Winnipeg, mm-hmm. churches in Alberta, one church in British Columbia. So, so it's a it's Everywhere. a <laughs> it's a long it's a it's a huge geographical area, but it's also low density. Yeah. Uh, the great thing is that Lawrence. Uh, was willing to be assistant district superintendent for the West. And uh, I refer to him as the man who saved the West. Uh, (laughs) He has done a fantastic job of supporting pastors and uh, actually finding uh, some pastors for for the churches there. Yeah. Yeah. So how many churches in like Ontario fall under? Well, altogether we have about 52 churches. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Ontario would be 40 some. Right. Right. if we start doing the subtraction. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. It's crazy. So if you're a pastor to the pastors, how like different is that to being like a pastor to like, I don't what's a normal person, a civilian? <laughs> we're all, we're all sons and daughters, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. You is go it, ahead. You yeah, go ahead there, Dr. Ravy. You're, you're the one in the position. I think pastors are uh, no different from anyone else. Mm-hmm. They have some of the same struggles. Uh, sometimes the issues are more related to uh, to leadership uh, within a church. Uh, maybe there's some troubling situations, mm-hmm. uh, but they're they're very similar. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say like, and Dr. Rigby just does a really, really good job. Like, I feel like anytime I call, you answer. Or like, if I need like something, like it's there within the day. And you, or unless you're way out of country, you're stuck in like a, like a, 
I don't know, like a, whether it's a board meeting, you know what I mean? Those are times where you can't quite answer, but, Mm -hmm. um, you've always, you've always been able to do that for me. And so he like, it's hard to, I would know, like doing that for 52 churches. And then within the 52 churches, there's X amount of staff. And so you just start multiplying Oh yeah. and within there is like the congregations. And so it's quickly spreads out and there's a lot of workload, um, like within that. So did you have a dream to be like a DS or like, I don't know whether we back it up and be like at Houghton, did you take courses to become a pastor? Did you dream of becoming pastor or how did you become a pastor? Just a unique. So DS is district supervisor, okay. district superintendent, superintendent, right? I said, that yes, right? that's yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I remember that. Yeah. When I went to Houghton, my goal was to be a teacher. So I didn't, I only took the required religion courses and, um, I wanted to, to go on and, uh, to graduate school, but somehow, uh, in that, even though I had lots of gotten lots of answers, I still had a lot more questions about the Christian faith. And I ended up going to seminary, uh, and I went to seminary not to prepare for pastoral ministry. I went because I had questions. Mm. And I wanted to understand more about the scriptures, uh, more about what it was I believed. And, uh, but the thing is, after three years of going to seminary, they've actually been preparing you to become a pastor. And uh, I had a desire to come back and have make the Bible more central to our thinking. The reason is that, again, when I, when I was growing up, people understood uh, theology. They could state what our doctrines were as a church, but they couldn't necessarily link them to the scriptures. In fact, the scriptures weren't as important to their lives as I thought they should be. And I became aware of that when I went to Houghton, where there's a lot of people from other denominations, and they knew the scriptures better than I did. Hmm. So I knew what we believed, but I didn't really know the scriptures. And I hadn't, I hadn't read through the scriptures, but when I went to Houghton and I took, you know, uh, Old Testament survey, New Testament survey, then I had to read the scriptures yep. and began uh, to read them more regularly. So I wanted to come back and and to do that and and uh, i think when my first years back or second year back uh, i did a bible study on galatians uh, again trying to, to see the difference between faith and law and it was a fascinating uh experience leading that because people some people thought i was out in left field uh they just couldn't uh, they had difficulty grasping it so I came back for those purposes. I didn't think I'd be in the pastorate long. I thought, I'll just, I'll come back. I may go back to school, but uh, this is something I, I felt I need to do right now, but not forever. Yeah. So 44 some years later, <laughs> uh, I'm still in the pastorate. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's so interesting that you like, I like hearing what people's like passions are. And so for you realizing that the Bible was understood by a lot of students, yet you understood theology 
um, is very interesting and not the connection necessarily between the two. And then having that passion to bring that back um, is very neat. Cause I think even um, like people, I don't know, biblical literacy is, is something our church does need. Right. And it's, it's something that is so, so important because that's, that's the foundation of like our church and all of our beliefs and the story and even how the church took place. It all comes from the Bible. So it, Mm -hmm. uh, that passion is very much needed. So I, 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 uh, I think back to like my time at Kingswood too, and just being trying to figure out what I want to do and lighting that passion. And so mine was a little bit different than yours and, you know, and ending up at uh, Southgate under the leadership of pastor Ben and learning so much and uh, just those years. But so if you weren't a pastor, you would have been a teacher would have been your answer to that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you. What would you, what would have you taught? Well, actually I was a history major and philosophy minor. So history has always fascinated me. So you like the history of like the Wesleyan church when we talk about like Wesley and like orange and we go down that road and like the starting churches over in this area. Orange. Orange is, uh, he's the founder of the Wesleyan church. His his last name is, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've never heard that name. Yeah. Um, this is, this is what Bible college does for you, right? Where you learn all about all these pillars of our faith. But I think um, Pastor Lawrence made a book of the standard church. And would your... Raising think, the standard, I think, or lifting the standard. Yeah. And so that was the standard church, kind of like this history. And it's a thick book. He signed it for me and I have it. I haven't made my way through it yet, but um, I know that uh, it's still on my shelf on my to-do list, but... Um, you like those types of books. Yes. And it's, he was actually commissioned to, to write that by, uh, by the former DS. Okay. Uh, uh, and the reason was uh, what uh, Pastor Don Hodgins says, if we don't get this down, it's going to be lost. Yeah. And so Lawrence and Mark did a fantastic job of researching not only the standard church, but also the holiness movement church and took us right into the merger. Yeah, that took place in 2004. Yeah. So, Alex, have you ever thought about being a pastor? I've thought about... Like, you've worked with me for a little while, and you you ever had the thought, it's just like, I want to do what you do. I've Well, I've had the opposite. I'm like, (laughs) being a pastor, that's something I don't want to do. You don't want (laughs) to be a pastor. What about a pastor to pastors? That sounds like a lot more pressure. Well, that's what you do to me. Yeah, right. You're, you're my pastor to my pastor, to my pastor, to my pastor. Now you're pastor to pastors. I feel like you pour into me. Pastors pour into people. You just don't want the title. It's like, I don't know. You guys have like a big umbrella of what falls under your job description. Yeah. Um, You can go any which way. And it's just kind of like up to God leading you guys what to do. Yeah. Like I want a little bit more structure. (laughs) Uh, That's good. Well, um, yeah. So we want to know from you, Dr. Rigby, since you're the pastor to the pastors, um, like what three things I just picked three, but what three things would you tell someone thinking about becoming a pastor? So anticipating this, this question, because you gave it to me beforehand, <laughs> uh, I went to uh, our denominational website Okay, and uh, they have their uh, ministerial preparation uh, rewritten for 2018. 
and they they suggest uh, four things. Oh, four things. Oh, it's close. And uh, one I'll do is my questions. What four? Wait, wait. Can I sound smart? What four things would you tell someone thinking about becoming a pastor? <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that you ask about four things because the ministerial preparation uh, lists at least four things. Yes. Don't edit that out. <laughs> one of them. One of them is: uh, Do you have a reasonable amount uh, of ability to understand, reason, communicate, and provide loving, caring leadership to God's people? Hmm. And uh, they said, listen to the counsel of your pastor and to the people around you because they're observing. Yeah, and they see you, and sometimes they're more aware than uh, we would like them to be aware. That's uh, a heavy question. Of our weakness and strengths. Yeah. That's a very heavy question. Can you simplify that question for me? Because it was very long. So I would just be like, do you have the capability of caring for God's people? Would that be? And communicating with them and being able to, to uh, reason, which means also be able to listen to what people are saying. Mm. So some kind, some kind times a pastor can, can just uh, jump to conclusions because they haven't listened well. And then they get themselves in big trouble. Uh, one of the things that's interesting is that uh, you stay out of a lot of trouble if you figure out how to respond better to the, to the criticisms, to the questions. Bad responses lead to bad situations. Mm. And so th that early part is how well do we interact? How well do we communicate? How well do we understand yeah. uh, the people that we're dealing with? Yeah, that's good. And if you have uh, those abilities, then that's that's a plus. Check one. 25% pastor. 25? Let's see if we can get to 50% here. <laughs> uh, the other is the test of fruit. Uh, are people being helped uh, by your Christian influence? Uh, are you open about your faith? Have you brought anyone closer to the Lord uh, by your witness? Hmm. I think you can say yes on that one. Oh, sorry. I'm not saying yes to the first 25%. I meant we had the first 25% answered of the question, one oh. of four. But thank you for the compliment. And I realized I was like, afterwards, I was thinking about it as you were talking about the next statement. How you series, answered it? I was like, I think I phrased that wrong. I think I was misunderstood. I wasn't saying that I'm good at that, but thank no, you for that. I wasn't saying you're good at it either. I was saying you can do it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's. But a, I think you've like you've poured into me. Like I just came onto the church. Like I was whatever fresh out of college, right? Yeah, I didn't really have like a deep understanding, but like you brought me in through like the young adults program, and I feel like that's a big reason why I'm here today and where I am at my faith. Yep. So I'd give yourself a checkpoint there. Cool. 50%. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was just trying to think like, it was interesting. I think the question was phrased fruits, right? And, uh, and so it just goes to Galatians for me. Like my mind just immediately jumps there. Like love is patient. Uh, sorry. The fruits of the spirit. Um, I don't know why I did what I went to first Corinthians there for a second. Uh, but the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, which one did I forget? Self-control. 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 <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> I'm missing that one in my life. Um, but yeah, like that's immediately what I think of and um, just making sure those come out of my life. And I think when they, like when I show those or those are evident in my life, 
then I think that just helps when you pour into people because people want to be around. It just goes back to your ethics thing that you're talking about. Like those are all great ethics and those are the results of following Jesus. And I think when you're showing those results, then people are like, what's going on in your life? Let's talk. People are actually willing to listen. You're able to have those reasonable discussions. And so it kind of moves back to the first question too. But yeah, those are good checkpoints. And I would say that the fruit of the Spirit actually aligns with the first part in terms of our ability to relate to people. Yeah. And when you, when you have exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, then you begin to see fruit working itself out in the lives of other people. Yeah. Uh, if you don't have the fruit of the Spirit, what you see is alienation and people pushing away from you rather than yeah. being influenced. Yeah. Um, you want the third? Sure, the third. And I'm not at 50%, just so everyone knows. <laughs> uh, it's the, the test of an abiding sense of a divine call. Uh, do you have an awareness of God's leading? Uh, is this where awareness dependent upon a highly charged environment to stay alive? Or is it an unshakable part of your daily life? Hmm. So there are times when, you know, people ask, are you... Is God calling you to the ministry? And it's in a, it's in a setting like a large youth uh, group setting rally. And what they're saying is, is that abiding presence there after you've come home, uh, after you're back in school, yeah. after you're living in your family? Does it still remain with you? Yeah. And uh, that can be a sign that that God is calling you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that abiding presence is. Like, yeah, when you said like, you know, when you go home, I'm just thinking of youth group, you know, I was thinking back to camp where you make this like big declaration um, and you go home, you're on fire. And the next week you're just like, boom, it just drops. Right. And um, that's like one thing Pastor Ben always says in his like prayers after churches, um, like that we would all remain the same as we are in church, as we are behind closed doors. Yeah. And that is like one of the hardest things to do, right? Yeah. Like when no one's watching yeah, or, you know, whether people are watching, you know, you think of like the hockey rink too. And that's a place that I've been like guilty of. And I've had to work through that of just being like Christ on the ice, which I think as silly as it sounds, a lot of people struggle with, mm-hmm. um, which I really try to be now. Um, and then like, it goes to, you know, your family, like just how you interact with your wife or your kids. Right. And that's really when you show those people the same care and love that you do like members of the church or your staff, I think is a huge, huge thing. Cause they really know who you are, right? Like your family knows you mm-hmm. better than anyone else. And I think another big, biggie is um, who are you on social media? Mm, yeah. That's an, that's definitely one that's popped up. Well. The keyboard courage or like <laughs> even the photos you post. Right. And, you know, are they, are they for building your own kingdom, right? Or are you for like others and Jesus? Cause it doesn't say anything about my kingdom. Right. And I think social media is all about a self presence, but yeah. I was also thinking about the way that people interact on social media. Yeah. There's some pretty, uh, uh, raw things that are said pretty yep. raw interactions that mm-hmm. I don't find helpful. Yeah. No, that's very, very true. Very true. All right. Number three, what's number four? 
Number four is open doors. Open uh, doors. Interesting. Means, uh, is God opening some doors for you for ministry? Ah. And uh, are there opportunities? Yeah. And so this is part of, I suppose it would be a situational kind of circumstance. Uh, you have the right personality, the right gifts, the right understanding. Yep. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit uh, is there with you. You are seeing fruit in your life, uh, and you have abiding sense of call, but you also need opportunities. Yep. And are those opportunities coming your way? Yeah. So those would be four things that I would suggest uh, when you think about the call to being a pastor. So I learned five, oh no, six things today so far in the last four things that you've said, which is very interesting. So I learned four things which you just told me. So the four points. Four points. So two additional things. Yeah. I learned to go to the Wesleyan website um, <laughs> for this information. And then also to ask Dr. Rigby a question before asking a question. Ask him the question before asking the question. And it'll save you a lot of time. So uh, for instance, where to find the information and how many things would you tell a pastor? So I should have reversed all that. I should have sent him the question be like, well, how many things would you tell a pastor instead of three things you tell a pastor? Do you say, you understand what I'm saying? Oh, okay, I get it now. <laughs> man, that was very difficult to explain. You need to that's work on why your communication there. That's why sermons are like an hour, man. Yeah. You can't say it in one sentence. So you just keep re-saying it over and over and over until they get it. Um, <laughs> wow. A lot of work to do. Um, three things. Should I say, wait, what are four things you would tell someone that works in a church and so I wanted to give you a, like a platform, Dr. Rigby, because um, I know that some some pastors do listen to this and and people that work in the church. But uh, like I just, I thought it would be an easy, easy way just to share a little bit of your heart. But maybe it's from the Wesleyan Church website. <laughs> uh, it's not. Uh, but it could be. I think one of the things, and it goes back to the number one, and that's healthy relationships. Uh, pastors need to have healthy relationships. They need to have ability to relate to people well, listen well. And they also need people with whom they can talk, to whom they can confess, to whom they can pray with. And uh, uh, those kinds of things are, are really good. And I like what you're doing at Southgate, where you have that staff breakfast, but I also think you have some accountability times mm -hmm. as a staff. So I, those are really, really important because pastors face the same temptations as everybody else. And in fact, in the area of uh, pornography, sometimes pastors are worse. The percentage is higher. Mm. And the reason is because there's so much aloneness. Mm. Uh, they spend a lot of time in the computer uh, preparing yeah. And and doing administration stuff. And temptation is always present. Mm -hmm. And so uh, building in good relationships and accountability would be one of the things that I would yeah. I would suggest. That's good. That's mm -hmm. good. Uh the other is uh uh clarity about one's responsibilities and do you know what success looks like? One of the things that I've discovered, both as a pastor and as a district superintendent, it is easy to remain busy. But busyness 
does not mean that we're accomplishing what needs to be accomplished. <laughs> In fact, some people have said that busyness can be a sign of laziness. We can keep ourselves busy doing things that we prefer doing rather than doing things that are important mm -hmm. because the important things are harder. And so we just stay busy avoiding important things because we don't want to deal with them. And so uh, have clarity about uh, where you're going, what needs to be done so that you get out of the, uh, that syndrome of, of just being busy, but not seeing the fruit that needs to happen yeah. for us to reach the people of Canada yeah. uh, with the gospel of Christ. That's good. Mm -hmm. And that relates to the, the other one. And, and that is our use of time. Uh, everybody has the same amount of time. But if we don't prioritize our time, if we don't plan our time out, if we don't do what's important, mm -hmm. then we won't advance the kingdom the way uh, God desires. Yeah. And if you want more, the denomination has talked about Thrive. Is it on the website? Uh, it's on the website. Yes. <laughs> and, and it has to do uh, with what's going on with your finances. Okay. Uh, what's going on with your physical health, uh, your emotional and spiritual health, and your relationships with families and with others. Mm. Because a pastor is not just the guy who stands up on Sunday morning and preaches sermons. A pastor is uh, a person who is a whole person and like everyone else has to, has to prioritize around who he is and who God has created that person uh, to be mm. or who she is and how God has created that person to be. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the things that I would say in response. Yeah. Uh, no, to those, question. Are, those are all good. Very, very mm -hmm. good. And Dr. Ruby, like, you know, I just, I'm very thankful for you and, and having um, like met you. And, um, which is crazy to think that you remember back to those days where just coming out of my rock star face and, uh, you just see me all the way through, which is, which is just, um, amazing. So just a huge thanks and what you've done for the district and like what, what you continue to do. And, um, like, you know, when the, when those questions are asked where like, who's someone to help you to pour along in your faith, like you'd be one of those guys, like I said, and that you've helped me, um, like just be that transition, you know, get into my pastoral role see the ordination through and just the ordination service that we had here was just very powerful and just always be something I remember and very, very appreciative about. So just a huge thanks for mine. Did you learn anything today? Oh yeah. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, yes. No, I don't know. <laughs> well, I learned something, but it's hard to like put my finger on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, like I find for me, it's easy to put like pastors on pedestals. And like, oh, wow, look at them. I want to be like that. But it's hard to remember that they're exactly like me. They're just like, happen to have a leadership role and like furthering our faith, but they still have all the same struggles. Yep. Yep. We still live in the same earth. Yeah. We still breathe the same air and we still have the same finances. But mm -hmm. yeah. Satan is still trying to defeat us yep. and destroy us. Yep. Mm hmm. There you go. We're the same, Alex. The same. We're still brothers. I just don't have a title. Yeah. And, and let me say this. 
one of the joys of being a DS is the people you get to meet. And so being able to meet you and, and journey with you, Aaron, yep. and to meet you, Alex, that for me is a fantastic part of this job. And uh, thank you for the opportunity of, of uh, doing this interview. Yeah. Well, yeah, thanks thank so you. much. We really appreciate having you on. And so uh, at the end of the podcast, we always just ask this beat to come on. And so um, um, uh, drop that beat. Drop the beat.